welcome to another episode of the Negative Positives Podcast. And now, coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. He likes his bourbon almost as much as he likes his Pentax. It's your host, Mike Gutterman. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 177. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave for the midweek episode. And yes, you're stuck with me again. Uh, another solo show of me. Uh, Andre Dominguez is way overdue on doing a solo show, but his voice isn't quite uh, still quite, quite up to par just yet. So uh, he asked if I could uh, cover him again this week. So uh, I, I'll do that. And, uh, you know, we, we all miss Andre. I feel like maybe he's um, uh, lost his passion for uh, uh, photography because his passion seems to be just mechanical watches now. And I believe he spends all his time uh, winding these mechanical watches uh, every day. It just takes up a lot of time to keep all those watches wound up. So because uh, he won't buy a watch, it just uses a simple battery. Uh, he has to, you know, do all the all this winding of watches every day. It's taking up too much time. So he probably doesn't have much time for us anymore. It's probably what really the deal is. But uh, <laughs> uh, Andre, I love you, brother. You know, I just got I got to give you some shit. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, so. All right, what has happened this week? Well, uh, Monday, I uh, got another another package in the mail, and uh, super awesome, unbelievable, as usual that I would say. Uh, this one comes from Kevin Dillon, and uh, he uh, we had a question from him about the Pentax 645, 645N on the Sunday night uh, show that I that I answered, but uh, Kevin, you know, me and him spent uh, quite a bit of time hanging out at uh, the FPP walking workshop. I mentioned that on the Sunday show too, but uh, so yeah, we've, we've had a lot of communication and uh, he's a big uh, Rico fan. Um, so anyhow, he sends me this package and uh, I, so I'm like, Oh, what's, what's, it's a pretty big box. What is, what, what's in this? You know? So uh, I open the box. There's this, uh, there's this letter. Let me read his letter. Uh, he says, Hey Mike, I thought if I was resending the package out, I'd include a little extra. Anyways, the beverage is what I originally sent out, but it got returned to me due to a damaged, unreadable address. It may or not it may or may not be something you'd like, but I thought I'd expand your horizons. Regardless, drink well, chilled, enjoy. So he uh, sent me a bottle of Krabby's original alcoholic ginger beer, and I think he's trying to uh, trying to get me off of my my usual American swill uh, Miller Lite or. Uh, Yingling or Rolling Rock or whatever I might, whatever American swill I might be drinking. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's trying to expand my horizons a little bit there. So, uh, I will definitely drink this well chilled. It's in the Gutter Man Cave refrigerator right now, getting uh, getting chilled up. But uh, all right, so and that that's what he originally sent me. But apparently, the the mailing address got damaged, and so they returned the package to him. So he decided to throw something else in the package if he was going to resend it out. So. Uh, let's finish his letter here. He says, The extra that I included is one of my extra K-mount bodies, the Sears KS2, otherwise known as the Ricoh XR7. The XR7 was my first SLR, and since I have an extra copy, I thought I'd share in my love of Ricoh, a.k.a. Pentax's daddy. <laughs> Enjoy, Kevin Dillon. 
you know, uh, and Kevin is on uh, Instagram uh, as Rico underscore shooter. And he's also on Flickr under the same name, Rico underscore shooter. That's Kevin Dillon. Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, again, I told you not to send me anything, man. And uh, he, you insisted and the beer would have been enough. Uh, but then you throw in this awesome camera, and I gotta say, this thing is feature packed. And I have no problem with uh, Rico now being Pentax's daddy, because apparently, you know, Rico owns the Pentax brand now. And uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, that's that's fine. I, it's, I guess in a way, it's better than what happened with Minolta when they merged with Konica and then got bought by Sony. And now Sony doesn't even make anything with the Minolta name on it. At least the Pentax name does live on under Rico, at least for the time being. So uh, I got no problem with them owning the Pentax uh, brand. So uh, and anyway, um, so yeah, the KS2, it's a uh, man, it's, it's this thing is feature packed, um, really cool camera. And I, I like the fact actually that it's he sent me the Sears version. So it says on the back, uh, let's see here, let me grab it. It says, yeah, it just says Sears <laughs> on the back of the camera. And uh, I think that's kind of cool because, I mean, if you live in America, Sears has been a kind of a big part of American department stores. Uh, every, every town has several of them. Everybody's been in a Sears and they're kind of going bankrupt now and stores are closing. And so I think probably in a very not too far future, Sears won't exist anymore. And uh, it's going to be kind of weird that 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 store wouldn't wouldn't even be in existence anymore. But but I uh, have. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of a strange little weird thing about American department stores and how malls and large department stores seem to be failing uh, quite a bit here. Uh, but due to probably like things like Amazon, you know, be it just to be completely honest, people are just ordering things now. So, uh, but yeah, and it's it's a beautiful camera. It's in great shape. Included a lens on here, a, a chin on, uh, let's see, what is it? A 50 millimeter F1.9 uh, lens. But it's a K-mount, so it'll take my Pentax lenses. So I'll get a lot of use out of, out of this camera. Excuse me. And uh, but he also uh, Kevin in the in the the note uh, that he sent, uh, he included a little excerpt from the camera camera wiki wiki dot uh, org uh, that kind of tells about this. Uh, basically, this series KS2 is basically a relabeled Ricoh XR7. Uh, but let's let's see what the camera wiki has to say about this or wiki wiki. <laughs> Uh, it says, uh, the XR7 is one of the more full-featured SLRs offered by Ricoh, designed to accept K-mount lenses. It was introduced in 1982. This camera is based around an electronically timed shutter, which needs two 1.5-volt LR44, SR44 type batteries to operate. It provides both aperture priority auto exposure and a wide range of manual shutter speeds, one one-thousandth of a second to 16 seconds. That's pretty awesome. Plus flash sync up to one one twenty-fifth. Uh, pressing a button on the front of the camera will preview the automatically selected shutter speed at the right edge of the viewfinder. Optional exposure compensation and an auto exposure lock are provided. For manual meter reading, settings are adjusted until the over-under arrows in the viewfinder LCD display disappear. An electronic self-timer with a delay of 10 seconds is selected via a button alongside the rewind crank, but, but, but can be canceled with a second press. While counting down, a red LED faces the sub facing the subject flashes. The XR7 is able to lock the film advance while recocking the shutter by pressing the ME control on the rear of the camera, thus permitting multiple exposures on a single film frame. This model also offers a depth of field preview lever. So yeah, fully featured, man. There's a lot of 
a lot of feet, like everything you'd kind of want is is in this camera uh, body. And the fact that it'll use my Pentax lenses, I'm going to get a lot of use out of this thing. And it feels nice. Uh, uh, it's all black. So, you know, black cameras are professional cameras. Remember that now. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Kevin Dillon, so much uh, for the gift. Again, guys, like I, I don't expect you all to send me stuff. It, it uh, blows me away. And I kind of, uh, as much as I love it, I kind of wish you guys would... Would, uh, would knock it off because I'm, I feel really guilty for uh, the fact that I just keep getting this awesomeness in the in the mail and my, my wife just shakes her head like, I don't understand why people are giving you things. And I'm like, well, you know, it's the film community, babe. It's, it's just the way it is. But uh, yeah, Kevin Dillon, thank you so much. Check him out on uh, Instagram and Flickr as Rico underscore shooter. Uh, let's see, what else here? Uh, as far as my week has been going... Um, uh, if you might have seen this on Facebook, I did. Uh, I, I've, I've talked about this quite a bit in the past. I've done this, uh, this, uh, uh, well, this inkjet print torture test, where I basically, when I first got my HP printer last uh, last October, I printed out six photos, the same photo on six different types of inkjet paper, hung them in my garage window uh, to, to get full sun exposure for a full year uh, every day. And even the window got condensation on it, and sometimes the prints got damp from, uh, you know, dew and stuff uh, uh, forming on the window. And so it was a really good torture test. And these things kind of went through hell and back. And and I would I put like half the half the print was exposed, the other half of the print was behind a black mat board, so I could be able to peel them away from the black mat board and see the part that was exposed to the sun, and how much fading they went through in a year. And if you've been on the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group, I posted a face cast and also some photos uh, about my results, uh, how much fading uh, that had happened. And honestly, it was very, it was not very much fading considering what they went through. So it gave me uh, a, a real, a whole lot of confidence about uh, these new dye-based inks and these inkjet printers, even a cheap uh, consumer inkjet like I'm using an HP NV4520 is the model I have. Uh, with the instant ink program that I've always been uh, raving about for uh, the last year. But uh, and I've got pretty good confidence that HP has a stated claim of 25 years of uh, fade resistance on their uh, on these uh, p- uh, dye-based inks and their new printers. And I think under the, under the proper stores uh, conditions, you probably could get something like that or maybe better. But uh, if they survived as well as they did uh, hanging in the, my garage in the gutter man cave, getting exposed to full sun every day, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good indicator that this, these dye-based things have come a long way. So I'm, I feel pretty confident about uh, the not, not, not completely archival, but definitely long-lasting ability of uh, these uh, dye-based uh, modern inkjet prints these days. So, uh, and the, currently, I, I just printed out the same photo on eight more, uh, eight more uh, uh, different types of four by six inkjet paper. And I'm going to hang those up in the uh, window here in the next day or two and leave those up for a year and see how these eight different papers, uh, uh, how they hold up a, a year from now uh, compared to the, the six that I tried last year. So, you know, come back next year around this time and we'll talk about <laughs> talk about this, how these eight different papers uh, fared uh, with uh, these dye inks. So, yeah, just uh, kind of interesting thing I've been doing to try to, uh, you know, test uh, it's the best way I, I can figure it to test uh, fade resistance on these inkjet prints. So, uh, and let's see. Lastly, well, uh, Monday I did uh, get out my Pentax 35 millimeter compact point and shoot. 
to try to take some photos for the uh, Sunny 16 <laughs> Challenge because my Sunny 16 Cheap Shots Challenge camera is a, is a Pentax 90s point-and-shoot model. And, uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I don't think I got anything good. You know, it's funny. It's a lot of times you know when you have good things and a lot of times you know when you don't. And I'm pretty sure I the shot maybe 10 shots, and I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not done with that challenge yet. I don't think any of those are going to be good. So got a little more work to do. I guess I'm getting uh, in the deadline time here. So uh, I got to try to get that done uh, very soon. So uh, all right, uh, let's take a break, and I'll be right back. I got some emails and stuff. So uh, yeah, let's take a break, and I'll be right back, folks. Folks, we're back from the break, and I got three emails to get to here. The first one is from Aaron Alfano. He actually uh, was the one, the kind gentleman that sent me some some APS, a couple of two APS compact cameras, and some APS film to help fuel and uh, arm the army of the APS revival, which of course is catching on like wildfire. I don't have to tell you all that. Everyone knows that APS is the one of the hottest things in the film community right now. But uh, <laughs> but Aaron uh, sends an email. He says, interesting bit of news. Petapixel rock star Jack White launches Photo Lab and Studio and gave me a link to that on Petapixel. There's an article about Jack White. Uh, of course, in Nashville, uh, has a has a store um, that where he has uh, opened, opened a Photo Lab. And uh, it's really cool, man. Like, uh, does uh, like black and white C41, even E6 processing will do uh, uh, prints and all kinds of stuff. Kind of a full featured uh, photo lab that he's opened up, and I think that's super cool because I've always liked Jack White and appreciated him as a musician and the fact that he's uh, kind of big in the film community or big into shooting film and supporting the film community. I think that's uh, that's nothing but good news. Now, don't read the Petapixel comments section because, uh, of course, people got to crap all over it and all over him. So, <laughs> just it's so, so typical. <laughs> Man, there's some angry people that go to that site. It's just, it's amazing. But, uh, but yeah, thank you, Aaron. Yeah, I, I'd heard about this, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's an article up about it if you want to read. Uh, if you want to read the Petapixel article there about Jack White opening a photo lab in Nashville. Uh, but just don't read the comment section. But uh, <laughs> so, all right. The next one is from uh, Wendy Gunderson, and she um, sent me and Andre both a email saying, "Dear Mike and Andre, I just got my first zine back from the printer, and would love to send you a copy. Where shall I? Where shall I mail it? Thanks for the entertaining and informative podcast. Well, thank you, Wendy. Uh, uh, I believe me and Andre both gave you our address. I hope you send one to Andre. If, if you're just sending one out, just send it to him because he, he's feeling a, a lack of love from the listeners here. But I think a lot of times it's just because the listeners have forgotten about him because he just, you know, he only shows up like once a month on this podcast now or something. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, and congratulations on your zine. I, I know that's got to be super exciting. And I, I can't wait for me or Andre to see it. It should be, uh, uh, it should be awesome. But, uh, and Wendy is, let's see, she has several web pages that she's uh, put up here uh, uh, that you might want to check out. The first one is uh, 
uh, my Irie time m y i r i e time.com where she has a lot of travel uh, photography uh, looks like in some caribbean type areas uh yeah i just uh, looked at it right before i started recording this segment here and then she also has a web a website uh film road trip it's a uh, film road and also another interesting website um she's got three websites good on you wendy uh, this one is uh, lawforphotographers.com, law, the number four, photographers.com, where there's like uh, contracts you can, uh, for photographers uh, that you can uh, download or whatever, and uh, it's actually written by, uh, uh, by lawyers, <laughs> so uh, you can get like uh, photography uh, contracts uh, if you're dealing with clients, so very cool stuff. And uh, thank you, Wendy, and thanks for the uh, the compliment. And and uh, again, congrats on your your first. Uh, I don't know if it's your first scene, but correct. Yeah, it is your first scene. Well, congrats on that, and good on you for for doing a zine. It's always a a, a, a fun project, and so cool stuff. And let's see, the last uh, email here is from uh, Dustin Nickerson, and uh, me and Dustin have been in contact quite a bit in the last couple of months uh, through uh, Instagram. He's uh, We've had quite a few conversations. He's bought some really awesome Pentax cameras recently, which makes me very happy, of course. But got some crazy good deals, too, like deals I'm, I'm a little jealous of. So uh, <laughs> but so he, he uh, sends an email. He says, Mike, looking forward to shooting and developing some black and white film with my newly acquired Pentax gear. Could you give recommendation on film? Developer, fixer, wash, etc. Maybe a beginner's kit complete with graduates, tanks, reel, thermometers, changing bag, etc. Also, do you use different equipment such as tanks and reels for black and white and color? I enjoy the show and look forward to each episode. Thanks, Dustin. And Dustin is on Instagram as d.w.nickerson. That is N-I-C-K-E-R-S-O-N on Instagram. Well, thank you, Dustin. Uh, man, I could spend a whole show on this, and uh, we've had some shows where we've talked about it. I'll just give a, a, qu- a quick brief uh, a th- a description of what I'm using. Now, it might not be the best stuff or the best recommendations, maybe, but uh, and you ask uh, 10 different photographers, you're going to get 10 different uh, answers on this. But uh, as far as uh, developer, I'm big on HC110, uh, simply because on that you can just mix up uh, the amount you need for the developing tank that you're uh, for the amount of film you're developing at the time, and HC110 uh, in syrup form lasts in eternity, so you never really have to worry about your developer going bad. I used to use D76, and that's always a good one to start with. But man, D76, you, you know, you're mixed up like a gallon of it, and you know, if you're not going to do a whole lot of film developing, uh, or if you or whatever, it can go bad on you or whatever. So uh, I just do HC110 because I can mix it fresh right when I'm getting ready to develop, just just the amount I need for that that developing tank. And I know it's uh, my developer's always good, so uh, that's what's worked for me. But as far as fixer, fixer's fixer. You know, I've always used just Kodak fixer and the the powder fixer or whatever. Uh, and then I think my last batch actually came from Freestyle. It was the uh, I think it's the Arista brand fixer, which was a just it's a copy of the Kodak fixer. It's a little cheaper uh, because it doesn't have the Kodak name on it, I guess, and it's it's fine. Uh, and let's see, uh, yeah, I just generally use, uh, and actually, as far as most chemicals now, um, I'm actually going to be, ex- other than my developer, I think for my fixer and HypoClear and, and PhotoFlow and stuff like that, um, I think I'm going to be moving to Sprint Chemicals because I really like that company from the communications I've had with them. It's a small company based in Rhode Island, and 
Uh, it just gave me a really good feels when I talked uh, to that company, when I called them on the phone to order some stuff from them. And so I'm going to be moving uh, to Sprint when I run out of my existing stock, I think, uh, quite a bit. Now, maybe not for everything, but for a lot of that stuff because their prices are good and it's a small small chemical company, kind of kind of cool to uh, to um, kind of support. And, and, of course, another thing to look at with your chemicals is uh, look at the FPP because they have those uh, chemicals now where uh, you're mixing up a smaller batch. I think it's like a liter batch or maybe a quart or whatever. Uh, instead of having to mix up a whole gallon of this stuff, and I think that's 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 actually pretty cool too. I might actually I might look into their chemicals too if I want to mix up smaller batches, and I'm sure Andre would tell you to check out the mono bath or whatever. But I, I and I think that's something you should maybe look into. But at some point, I think everybody should should give it a try. But I would recommend starting off with the normal traditional process before you move on to deciding if mono bath is for you or not. But um, and as far as like, uh, let's see, I'm trying to make this short and because uh, like I said, I got to spend hours on all this, but uh, let's see, uh, uh, graduates and, and like measuring cups and stuff like that. Well, I mean, you can go to Walmart and get a lot of that stuff or, you know, departments, uh, cheap, you know, discount department stores or whatever. But uh, one place that I found, uh, shoot, now I'm not going to remember the name of it. Uh, let's see here. I just looked it up. It's... <laughs> It's homesciencetools.com. Uh, I just I ordered uh, some uh, let's see some like graduated cylinders and and uh, quite a bit of stuff from them and uh, it was the prices are real are, are, are nice and they're and, and the, the markings are perfect for uh, uh, the measurement markings or whatever are perfect for uh, home developing chemicals. I could definitely remember uh, recommend homesciencetools.com. I was able to get. Uh, pretty much everything that I didn't couldn't get at like a Walmart or whatever from them, and uh, the prices were right, and uh, it was good stuff. So I, I can definitely uh, that's where I got a lot of my measuring uh, cups and graduated cylinders and all that stuff. So um, let's see, uh, tanks. Well, I mean, most people are gonna probably say Patterson seems to be kind of the industry standard. I've actually never had a Patterson tank. I I just use the AP tanks or whatever. I, I believe I got it from Freestyle, and and they're fine. And let's face it, all these tanks leak. Uh, if you're going to do actual inversions, uh, if you don't use the swizzle stick and you actually do proper inversions, they all leak. I don't care what brand it is. So uh, I would probably avoid the Yankee tanks because they leak really bad. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the uh, uh, the AP tank that I have, it leaks a little, and I've heard the Pattersons do too. So that's uh, tanks a tank in my opinion. But uh, and as far as reels, I can. We've talked about this quite a bit on the show. Uh, on freestyle.org, uh, the AP, uh, I think they're called premium reels. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's premium reels. Uh, look up those, and I definitely recommend those because they have these huge tabs on them to help you load the film on the reel in the dark, and you can't mistake, uh, you can't not find these tabs in the dark in the, or in the dark bag. And they just, man, they make uh, loading film so easy. And uh, definitely as a beginner, I would start off with plastic reels too because uh, I know a lot of people like the metal reels, but I've never got on with them. But uh, thermometers, you know, uh, you can spend as much as you want on these things. I, I think the thing with a thermometer is is find one and stick with it. And, uh, and that way, uh, you know, you're not like, the main thing is just consistency. So uh, especially with black and white, the temperature is not quite as... Uh, maybe as, uh, you know, uh, critical as color would be. But uh, thermometers, I, I mean, I've used everything from, like, you know, just the, 
the round dial thermo- photo thermometers and uh, I've even used like a cheap digital thermometer I bought from Harbor Freight Tools for like a couple of bucks and it was fine. Uh, I haven't really had any trouble with just cheap thermometers, but uh, again, some other people may argue that there's like a, there's some really expensive Kodak lab thermometer and there's a, there's laboratory thermometers you can buy and you can spend a lot of money on them, but I haven't had any trouble with that. Just the cheap photo uh, thermometers uh, or the, uh, the little cheap digital thing I got from Harbor Freight Tools was pretty, <laughs> has worked pretty well as well. So uh, changing bag, uh, buy the, buy the big one. There's usually, they'll usually have two sizes. Uh, I think I got mine from Freestyle maybe, or uh, maybe it's the FPP. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I bought a small one at first thinking, ah, you know, this would be fine. No, don't buy the small one. Buy what they call a large changing bag. You're going to want that space. <laughs> the small one will just build up uh, a lot of heat and humidity uh, really quick. So you don't get the, get the big bag. And uh, it says, also, do you use different equipment such as tanks and reels for black and white and color? I do not. I use the same tanks and reels for my black and white and my color. I just make sure I rinse very well after each, uh, each use. And uh, I've lately started taking an old toothbrush and scrubbing the reels a little bit with hot water uh, after each developing session because I had a situation a couple weeks ago where I had some sticky reels and uh, uh, the film was having a hard time loading on the reels because I kind of let some photo flow residue where I didn't rinse it well enough uh, kind of dry and get kind of gunky so because that photo flow is kind of can get kind of sticky if you don't get that off there and that's usually your last phase of black and white anyway so uh, I've been taking an old toothbrush and scrubbing those things really good under hot water and I haven't had that trouble since so uh, all right, uh, Dustin. I hope that helps. And uh, you know, this again, we could we could spend several episodes talking about that. If you have any more questions, or if I didn't kind of get to things uh, uh, that, that you kind of wonder more about, uh, feel free to hit us back up again, and we'll try to, you know, uh, maybe dive in a little deeper on any other questions you might have. And, and good luck. It's it's a lot of fun. So you're gonna it's gonna be a blast. Uh, don't get the film sweats about it. So, all right. Uh, let's see. I think I'm gonna take uh, one more break, and uh, we'll be right back, folks. Folks, we're back from the break, and we're gonna wrap this show up. First, we uh, I got another call-in camera review to put in here. So, um, always happy to get these. Again, if there's a camera you want to review, give us a review on. Just send us a voice recording, or uh, through the Anchor app, you can do a voice recording through that as well. To uh, and just talk about a camera you love or hate, and give us a call-in camera review. Always cool to get these uh, from the listeners. Uh, this one comes from Theo Panagopoulos. And he's talking about the Lomo Smina 8M. So let's uh, hear what Theo has to say about this Lomo camera. G'day Mike, Andre and all the guttermites in the Negative Positives universe. My name is Theo Panagopoulos and I'm from Sydney, Australia. I also run a photography website at photothinking.com. Today I'm doing a mini review on the Lomo Smina 8M. I thought I'd start with something nice and simple. Uh, it's also part of my Red October theme where I am shooting Soviet cameras. So I thought I'd keep the theme through this mini review. 
Lomo made these for 35 years since the early 50s. You know, he made 21 million of them. So they're pretty easy to find and they don't cost that much. Uh, yeah, I find, found mine in the market a couple of years ago and, uh, and never looked back. The camera is quite light. It feels like a toy camera, but you know, it looks can be deceiving because it actually houses a glass lens. Uh, it's actually called the Triplet T43. I've seen the lens adapted to not just mirrorless cameras, but also to Leica thread mount uh, cameras. And it's quite an interesting look to them. Uh, the exposure controls are on the lens, uh, everything from f4 through to f16. But what is unique on this camera is that the actual apertures are linked to the ISO selection. So if you select uh, f8, for instance, it roughly equates to ISO 100. So if you precision your thing, you might want to look away. The shutter speeds are quite slow. You only get from a 1/15th of a second to a 250th of a second in bulb. It does limit on what kind of speed you can use in terms of film. Uh, generally, you want to try and stick to ISO 100 type films. The shutter speeds are linked to weather symbols to make it easier. So you're not actually selecting speeds. You can select the speeds, they are on the bottom, but uh, you just select the weather weather symbols and it kind of works it out. So for instance, for an ISO 100 film, and if you select the full cloud picture, you end up with a 60th of a second. You can't, as I said, you can override this, but you know, where's the fun in that? It's a viewfinder camera, so there's no rangefinder. Focus is on the lens with everything else. It's got an amazingly long focus throw. You literally have to twist the whole thing right around. Uh, it focuses down to a meter. Uh, for my non-metric friend, that's th just over three feet. It uses standard distance pictures in terms of focusing. So, you know, the one person, group of people, mountains, etc. Loading the camera is pretty easy, but the spool does fall out. So you have to be careful with that. Uh, it, yeah, and it's got this interesting little feature where the counter is the most useless thing in the world. You know, the, you don't know what frame you're on because the thing just spins around aimlessly. I thought it was a joke when I read it online, but it really does. And you really don't have an idea. Uh, one thing you have to remember though, is you have to manually cock the shutter, um, which is something you might need to get used to. I've had a lot of fun with this camera. It's light and it attracts no attention because you're, you're literally holding this little plastic box around. The results are what you expect though. Remembering Lomography, you know, the whole Lomography movement was named after the Lomo organization. Um, the, the middle, yeah, the middle of the picture is really sharp. It's really surprisingly sharp, actually, but it falls away very quickly. Um, but you know, you, know, you can call that character. Yeah, you know, I, you know, people pay lots of expensive money to to actually achieve that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. They don't cost much. It's well worth trying. Uh, I've got a full review of this camera on PhotoThinking.com. So if you're interested and you have a bit of a read, please leave me a comment. I'd really love to hear from you. Um, thanks to Mike and Andre for hosting such a great uh, podcast. Well, thank you, Theo, for the call-in camera review. And, you know, yeah, come on, folks, keep these coming. These are these are super awesome. You can do it on the Anchor app through the voice recording feature uh, to negative positives, and we can do it that way, or you can just use your phone's voice recording uh, app Record your message about some sort of camera you love or hate, and you can email that file, the MP3 file, 
to uh, negpositives at gmail.com, and we can get your voice on the show. So, okay, I think that's the end of this episode. Thank you all for listening and for putting up with my uh, my voice again by myself for another episode. Uh, let's see. You can see my photography uh, on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. You can join the Facebook group. Over 1,700 members strong. The Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And you can follow us on Instagram at the account Negative Positives. So, okay. Thanks for listening. Have a great uh, rest of the week. And we will talk to you on the weekend for the weekend show. So, all right. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos.